this particular verse of Scripture that we're going to start from and have your Bible ready, have your Bible ready to look at several passages of Scripture today. It tells us that it's time for some self-examination. Some self-examination. The Corinthians were to examine themselves to see if they were really Christians. Now think about that. Am I really a Christian? Just as we get physical checkups. Do you get physical checkups? Okay. I need to probably practice my preaching here. Paul urges us to give ourselves to spiritual checkups. We should look for something in our life as believers. Here's something we should look for. Think about this now with me by way of introduction. We should look for a growing awareness of the power and presence of Christ in our life. Can I say that one more time, please? Let it sink in. We should look for a growing awareness. The key word is growing. A growing awareness of the power and presence of Jesus Christ in our life. I I think today we have too many uh, my, and I, I guess, you know, I, I'm, gonna, I'm not, I guess, I could be guilty as much as anybody in the room, but we have, a, we, have, we have to be very careful and guard against this comfortable Christianity where there's been no growth and we don't even have an awareness of what Christ is doing in our life. And I mean, if, if Christ hit us with a, if Christ hit us with a two by four, then we'd barely know what happened. And Paul is saying here, we've got to examine ourselves. If you're truly in the faith, there should be a growing awareness of the power and presence of Christ in our life. Only then will we know. Only then will I know if I am an imposter or a true Christian. Could there be imposters in the service right now? Could there be people in the service right now who claim the name of Christ, but they're not genuinely born again of the Spirit of God? Yes, there could be. I don't know who they are. They may know who they are, but God definitely knows who they are. This is why we examine ourselves. If we are not taking active steps to grow closer to God, what does this mean? We are withdrawing from Him. If we are not taking active steps toward growing toward God, then we are withdrawing from Him. The only person that knows you better than you is your Creator. I'm glad that I believe I'm created in the image of God. I'm not a mistake. I'm not an accident. And the same is for you. It's important that we know, though, as Christians, where we are. In the Christian life, where are we, Pastor Turner? We're we're at uh, you know we're at church right now. We're you know we're in the upper room. That's not what I'm talking about. Where are you in your walk with God? Are we in the in crowd? Now this is a kind of a a, a play on that, but most of the time we say you know watch out for the in crowd, avoid the in crowd. But in this case, we need to be. We want to be in the in crowd. As we go through the Bible this morning. We want to be in the in crowd. Now, by way of introduction, we find four beautiful facets of salvation. Let me give you these quickly. 
This is not the outline. This is the introduction and the, the outline of the introduction. But there are four beautiful facets of salvation. And I hope these will help you. Number one, what we are saved from. What are we saved from? Let's look at our Bibles quickly. Go with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. He said, whether ye be in the faith, whether ye be in the faith, examine yourselves. Whether ye be in the faith, what are we saved from? Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are saved from guilt. We are saved from guilt. I'm no longer guilty today. As a follower of Jesus Christ, as someone who has accepted Christ as my Savior, I am saved from guilt. Number two, Romans 8.1, There is therefore now no condemnation. Number two, I'm saved from condemnation. I'm saved from guilt. I'm saved from condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. We're not going to have time to, to maybe turn to all of them, but you want to write these references down and meditate. We are saved from, number three, eternal damnation. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life. I'm saved from eternal damnation as a Christian. I'll not spend one millisecond in hell as a Christian. Praise the Lord. That's what I'm saved from. I'm saved from the law of sin. Romans 8.2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. So that's what I'm saved from. Now, if you're not saved today, none of these, all of these still apply to you. If you're not saved. Number two... What am I saved by? What am I saved by? Number one, I'm saved by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. 1 John 1, 7. 1 John 1, 7. The shedding of blood. Today, we're saved by the shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, we're saved by grace. Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves it is the gift of God. We're saved by grace. You're not saved by being baptized. You're not saved by going through discipleship. You're not saved by coming to church. You're saved by grace. Saved by the blood of Christ. We're saved by grace. We're saved uh, by His love. Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We're saved by the love of God. If it weren't for the love of God, I would have no salvation. And fourthly, I'm saved by mercy. Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. That's what I'm saved by. Why am I saved? Number three, what am I saved for? What am I saved for? Number one, I'm saved to be an instrument of His grace. I should be someone who is giving His grace to others. I'm saved, number two, for His workmanship. For His workmanship. Uh, Ephesians 2.10 For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. I'm saved for that. I'm saved for His glory. For His glory. Ephesians 1.13 and I'm saved for His purposes. 2 Timothy 1.9 Notice, 
I'm not saved for the purpose of going to heaven. Did you catch that? Now, I am going to heaven because I'm saved. But so many times we're, we're just thinking about heaven. Oh, someday I'm going to go to heaven. Well, what about now? What about right now? You're not in heaven yet. I'm glad that. I'm glad you're not in heaven yet. I'm glad you're still here. I'm glad I'm still here. I mean, I can't wait to go to heaven, but when it's time, God's going to say, okay, you're done. Time to come to heaven. And when he does that, it'll be fine. I don't mean to sound like it's that easy to go through death. I'm just saying that let's not think about, let's not just put ourselves in heaven quite yet. We're saved for His workmanship. We're saved for His glory. We're saved for His purposes. We're saved uh, to be an instrument of grace. In other words, we're saved to serve. Talk about that in a little bit. Number four, uh, fourth thing, what we are saved unto. We are saved unto His blessings. We are saved unto His eternal glory. The Lord Jesus brought us out that he might bring us in. The Lord Jesus brought us out that he might bring us in. Deuteronomy 6.23, and he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swear unto our fathers. I want to challenge us this morning. It is time that as a child of God, we got in. We got in. We got in the in crowd and it's not just, I don't want to settle to just be in. I want to get further and further and further in. I believe you'll see what I'm, what God's word is showing us. But how do I do this? First, I've got to examine myself to make sure that I'm even part of this in crowd. Am I even saved? Are you saved? Do you know Christ as Savior? So we're going to look at several ends. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3, please. 1 John chapter 3. Number one. In the family. In the family. And we're right beside that, the word life. In the family, and the word life can go beside that. First John chapter 3, verse number 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Beloved, now, now, not later, but now. Notice what John says there. Now are we the what? Sons of God. And this does not just apply to men. This applies to ladies as well. But it's now. We are in the family. The family of God. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. The hymn writer said. We are in the family of God. I am a son. You are a daughter if you're a lady. He is our father. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the Sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. We have a family here today. If you're a Christian, you are my brother, you are my sister. Maybe, maybe you don't know the date of your salvation. Maybe you don't know the exact date. Uh, but we better know the fact. The fact is, we're not saved by, uh, uh, by our works. We're not saved by being in church. We're not saved by re- just reading the Bible. I mean, these are all good things, but this is not how we're saved. Being in the family gives us access to family resources. Bless you. Family resources. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. 
Ephesians chapter 1. I'm so glad for the family. Wow, the family of God. Look what it says here in Ephesians 1 verse 7. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Since we're in the family, we have the riches of His grace at our disposal this morning. Look at chapter 2 and and uh, the same uh, book of the Bible, chapter 2 and and verse 4, which says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us. So number one, we want to be in the family. Are you in the family? Are you sure that if you were to die today, you would be in heaven? Number two, number two, we want to be in the book. We want to be in the book. Turn to Revelation chapter 21. I hope, you're, I hope you are in the in crowd today. And if not, I hope you will, before you leave here today, you'll be in the in crowd. This is a godly in crowd, not a perfect in crowd. But this is the in crowd that we want to be in. Look what it says in uh, Revelation 22 and verse number 17. Revelation 22 and verse number 17. And the spirit and the bride. See, today is the day of examination. By the way, this is not just about salvation. That's just the beginning. We're getting into some other things too. But we, we, we need, this is what God has put on our heart. Examine yourself today. Don't examine your wife or your husband or your son or your daughter. Examine yourself. Teenager, examine your heart. Examine your heart. The Bible says in verse 17, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come. Oh, 21, sorry. 21-27. Did I say 22-17? It's not written anywhere, but okay, maybe we are supposed to finish that up. Yeah. Whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. That's a good verse too. So there you go. You can be in the in crowd today. It's your choice, all right? But let's go to 21. Let's go to 21-27. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie. But, here we go, they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. We want to be in the book. My name is written down in this book. Is your name written down there? I am on the record of heaven, stored somewhere in the library of God as a large biography of books with names of the saved. I don't know exactly how it is, but again, it's, I know what books are and I know what they look like, and the Bible says it's the Lamb's book. God is the one who compiles it. God is the one who keeps it. And I wonder today, are you in the book? You can only be in the book through the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are in the family. We are in the book. And then number three, let's go to 1 Corinthians 12. It is my prayer that we would have a hunger and a thirst and a desire to be in the body. To be in the body. Please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. To be in the body. Oh, we said in the family is the word life. That was the key word there, life. In the, in the book, the Lamb's book of life, the key word there is assurance. In the body, and then we have beside that in the body for service. 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen says, For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, 
and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Notice, we are all baptized into one body. Now, if you're saved and on your way to heaven, you are in the body. You're in the body of Christ. And praise God for that. Why am I put in the body of Christ? I think we started to get into this a little bit a minute ago. Let's go to Romans 12. Romans 12. I'm not in the body of Christ just as a fire insurance policy. I hope that's not your attitude. I'm so glad I'm in Christ. I'm not going to hell. You know, that's great, but that's not the end of it. I'm in Christ, and you're in Christ if you're saved, for service. For service. Look what it says in Romans chapter 12, please, in verse number 4. For as we have many members in one, what, church? Body. This is why it's important to be a member of a Bible-preaching church. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. That was good. This is why it's important to be a member. We have many members, but we have one body. I have many members today. Fingers, toes. Isn't it great how the God teaches us with things that we understand in our own life day by day? I have ears and a nose and so forth and so on. I have many members, but I only have one body. You know, if one of these members decided to just go on strike... You know, my left thumb said, you know what, I'm done. That's it. And then my right thumb said, that's it, I'm done. Boy, I'd have a hard time gripping things without these two thumbs. And you you get the picture. Paul said, we have many members, but we have one body. Notice, and all members have not the same what? Office. Every member, every member of a local church, every member of the body of Christ has a job, has a function. It's not all the same. Mine is different than yours. Yours is different than mine. But we all work together as one body in Christ for serving the Lord. Are you in the body? Yes, you're in the body if you're saved. But I wonder, are you in the body for service? That's what we need to be striving for. Let's keep reading. Verse number 5. So, we being many... God emphasizes it again, doesn't He? Are one body in Christ. And every one members one of another. Notice this. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. And then the, this is a one passage. This is not a message on the gifts uh, uh, that uh, God gives us at salvation uh, through the Holy Spirit. But Here's one of the lists. The point is they're given to us not so that we can say we have them, but so that we can serve the Lord with that gift and or gifts. Each member has a specific function in the body and must work in harmony with other members. Let's turn to Ephesians 5. in the body for service. The in crowd. Ephesians 5. In verse 27. It says that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. The church. 
the body of Christ. That's you, that's me. Are you in the body? I wonder this morning, where in your week, where in your week, now, I hope you will take what I'm about to say and sit, think about it. Let God's Spirit challenge you. Where in your week do you have set aside time to serve, to serve God? This is not necessarily a time to serve God. Now, some serve God, ushering and things of that nature. I'm not raising those people up. I'm just saying, where in our week do we have time? If you're in the body and you're saved, you're a member, right? And yes, membership in the body does not necessarily mean membership in the church, but I believe they can go one and the same. We should be a member of a Bible-preaching church. I believe that's true. But it's not just to have my name on the roll or my name in the book. It's because I want to do my part as a thumb or a finger. I want to do my part as a, as a ear or a nose. I want to do my part as a member of God's body, of God's local church. I want to do my part to keep this place without spot or wrinkle. I want to do my part to bring honor and glory to God. And I ask you, where is that time? And I want, to, I want to challenge us. Set aside time to serve together with your family. That can be two ways. Number one, this is your family. This is your family. If you're a part of Anchor Baptist Church, this is your family. Set aside time to serve together with the, the family, the family of God. If you say, I don't know when to do that, I don't know how I can do that, see me after, work, after church, I'll help you. I'm not saying that to be funny. I'm serious. But then I'm really, I'm really burdened that our children, I'm talking about your children, not my children or your children, I'm talking about your children, I'm burdened that our children see dad and mom serving the Lord. Do your children see you serving the Lord? How else are they going to learn to serve the Lord? I believe it is the responsibility of dad and mom to set the example to be a servant of the Lord. It doesn't have to be standing at the pulpit, playing the, uh, playing the piano. It doesn't have to be seen of men. It might be just seen of the Lord. Please don't, get, please don't think I'm saying that you have to be doing something in everybody else's view. But I wonder today if we pulled your children aside and we said, when does your dad serve the Lord? What would they say? When does your mom serve the Lord? Well, my mom and dad, they're really busy. They work a lot. Yeah, that's a good trait. But how about, do we have any time for the Lord? Carve out some time in the week where you go with your children to serve the Lord. Bring them with you to serve the Lord. Can you imagine what the next generation of churches is going to look like if we don't teach our children to serve the Lord? I can tell you what it's going to look like. There's going to be gaping holes. It's my responsibility. It's your responsibility that we are in the in crowd, but that we lead our families to be in the in crowd. Lovingly, by the way. Don't forget that. Lovingly lead them. 
You must know there's an attack on the family. You must know that. If you're married, there's an attack from the pit of hell to destroy your marriage. You must know that. You must know that if, you, if your children are here today, and I don't mean to be unkind or, or to be to spooky or anything, but there's an all-out attack from the pit of hell to destroy your kids. You must know that. You must see it, right? It's, it, doesn't take, it doesn't take much to see that the enemy is trying to, dis, to seek, to, to destroy, and to kill. In the body for service. Dad, Mom, let's, let's serve the Lord lovingly, willingly, but let's bring our kids along with us. You have one chance. Number two, or number four, excuse me. Go to John 15. John 15, are you in the in crowd? John 15. By the way, just because someone may have their children see them, I'm not saying they're better than anybody else. Look, this is a burden on my heart. This is a burden. This is a concern that I have that we do everything we can. And yes, our children have a free will. And yes, they may make decisions someday that we may or may not agree with. But we've got to do everything we can uh, with the power of God and a concern and compassion for our children. Whether they're 4 years old, 14 years old, or however old they are, they're still under your roof. They're still under my roof. We have an opportunity to invest in them in the things of God, don't miss it. Because here's what's happening. Here's what's happening. If your son is 15 or 16, let me tell you something. The window right now is about that big. In two years, three years, the window might just be like that. The window, we call it of opportunity. It's closing. That's not a bad thing. Because we want them to grow. We want them to mature. But the window of opportunity to influence them closing look at uh, John 15 please we must hasten praise God for the vine Jesus said verse 5 I am the vine ye are the branches he that abideth what's the next two words in me number 4 are you in the vine are you in the vine Number four, in the vine. And the word next to that is fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. Jesus said, And I in him, the same bringeth forth, how much fruit? Much fruit. I want to get in on that. I want to get in on fruit. I want to get in on much fruit, more fruit. There's other verses where we have that as well. I want to get in on that. How do I get in on that? I've got to be in the vine. Because notice I've circled in my Bible, Right here, the last phrase of the verse is what I've circled because it says, for without me, you can do nothing. I tell you what, I've tried it, and I'll just tell you, it doesn't work. I've tried it in so many areas of my life just to wing it. It doesn't work. You can't wing it. You've got to be in the vine to be fruitful. To obtain fruitfulness, there must be a running sap. Sap is a life giving substance. That's why we must be in the vine. I'm just a branch. Now, I'm thankful that as a branch, God, in His infinite wisdom, takes opportunities to do what to the branch? (laughs) Prune those branches. 
I'm not, I, I'm not an expert on any of that, but I know it's very wise to prune things. And usually when we prune things and we follow all of the different time of the year and all of that, I don't know much, much of that, but I know this, that when that pruning takes place, more and much comes as a result of it. So he may prune you. He may prune me. The husbandman desires and deserves a bountiful crop. God is the husbandman. The object of being in the vine isn't just being in the vine. The object of being in the vine is fruit. Isn't it amazing that God, when we get, when we get um, in the family, we, get, we have our name in the book, and now we've advanced all the way to being in the vine, and God takes us from being, remember what we were before we got saved? Let's not forget that. <laughs> We were sinners, I mean, we're still sinners, but we were sinners headed the wrong direction, and God said, hey, ho, 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 I love you, spinning you around, I'm bringing you to myself, and over time, and over here preaching, and reading the Bible, and someone praying for you, there came a point in your life where you said, yes, I need to get in Christ, I'm going to get saved, and you trusted Christ from your own free will, and now God is saying to you and to me today, I want your branch to bring forth fruit, and it can happen for my glory, God says. Wow! From being a dead branch with no life to being alive in Christ and being able to bring forth one pear or one orange or one whatever it is for the glory of God. I want to be in that crowd. I want to be in that vine. I want to be in that vine. I want God to prune me though. I want God to say, okay, this has got to go. Oh, but God, I really like this. This has got to go. Oh, I really like This has got to go. It's got to go. It's got to go. Why? Because you're not going to be able to bring forth fruit. And so he cuts that off. And at first, oh, I really miss whatever that is. But at the, eventually, just a little bit of time goes by. We don't miss whatever it is at all. Wow, what a God. What a Savior. The object is Fruit. Then more fruit, and then much fruit, and fruit that remains. Thank you, God, for letting me be in the vine. I'm an unworthy branch today. You're an unworthy branch today. Oh, but God says, I love you, Ben. I love you. Put put your name in there. I love you. I'm so glad that you've come to me, but I haven't saved you just to go to heaven. If that were the case, when I was nine years old and I accepted Christ as my Savior, I would have immediately gone to heaven. It doesn't usually work that way. Thief on the cross, yes. <laughs> One exception, okay? And maybe a few others, obviously. But I'm saying for the most part, we don't go to heaven the same day we get saved. Because why? Because God has something more for us. And I'm glad for that. Praise the Lord. Go to Matthew 5. We're coming down to the end. Go to Matthew 5. Are you in the in crowd? Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Right at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, ye are, verse 14, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. 
Verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. That's not seeing God's good works. Now, who helps us do those good works? Obviously the Lord. But they're seeing our good works because we're in Christ for His workmanship. Remember Ephesians 2.10? This all weaves together. Just let the Holy Spirit of God help us put all the puzzle pieces together. And glorify your Father. They don't glorify me. They don't glorify you. They glorify my Father through my good works that God gives me the ability to do, which is in heaven. Number five, we are in the world. Yes, we are in the world. I did not say of the world. It's a, that's a little bit different word wording. We are in the world, and the word, the word next to that is illuminate. Illuminate. Again, as I said earlier, if we did not have a purpose to remain on the earth, we would have been taken to heaven the moment we got saved. The world, I think someone said it earlier in the meetings, in a prayer maybe or something, the world is dark. The world's dark. The darker the night, as you've heard someone say, I can't remember who, the brighter the light. There's no shining without self-giving sacrifice. The price for lighting others is a burning self. Die to self. We are in the world to illuminate. How can we illuminate in a dark world? We've got to stay in this book. We stay in this book We meditate on this book. We live this book. We spend time with the family of God. Imperfect people here today. We're all imperfect people. But we have a perfect and holy God. And we worship Him to the best of our ability in spirit and in truth. And in some ways, you help brighten my light. I help brighten your light. We go out into this world leaving here on the Lord's Day, and Monday comes, and you remember, it's a dark world. You go to work, people that aren't in the family of God, and we work alongside them, and they begin talking about their weekend. It didn't involve church. It may have involved some other, other things, not honoring to the Lord. It's a dark world we live in. And on and on it goes. You know, all the more reason to get, try to be around the family of God as much as we can. I think that's one of the really so important to be with the family of God every opportunity we can. But I'm thankful that we are a light. We are one little candle. And as the song in Sunday school said, we're not going to hide it under a bushel. This little light of mine I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan 
it out. We have some, definitely some saved people today. They're on their way to heaven. I know I believe they are. But because of the cares and the concerns of this world, Satan has put their light under a bushel. And in some cases, Satan has blown out their light of influence. That doesn't mean they're not saved. It just means they're not a light anymore. They blended into the things of this world. Now, God can relight their flame. If we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and, and relight our candle. It's kind of at the end of that verse. In all seriousness, we can have that done. Nextly, number six. Quickly, I'll give you these last couple here. In the flock. In the flock. Why do, we need to be, why do we need to be in the flock for protection? Psalm 23. Don't you love Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The shepherd cares for his sheep. He protects, he provides, he leads, he guards, he restores. He fills our cup. He allows us to rest. He eliminates fear in the flock for protection. Number seven. John 10, 28. John 10, 28 says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Number seven. We, we are, as, as Christians, we are in his hand. Oh, I'm glad I'm in his hand today. Boy, what a, what a, what a great, uh, uh, peaceful statement that we have eternal life, not temporary life, not probationary life. We have eternal life in his hand. Security. Number eight. In the church. In the church. Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Why are we in the church for exhortation and edification? It is in the church where we have preaching and teaching and fellowship, breaking of bread, co-laborers. We've been talking about this. Service with missionaries. On and on it goes. In the church. In the church. Number nine, in the race. In the race to finish. I may not win, but I'm in the race to finish. To finish. Hebrews 12.1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We talked about that verse a couple weeks ago, in the race. Are you in are you in the in crowd? We can be all in because we are in Christ. We can be all in today. Paul said, examine yourself. You see, the Christian life starts with you and I repenting of sin, turning to Christ by faith, accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. Trusting in Him, 
That's where it starts. Only Christ can, only the Holy Spirit of God can, can make us alive. But that is not where it ends. Really what we're talking about this morning is being in the in crowd is yes, understanding biblical salvation, that's a big part. But then why did God save me? And that's the rest of the message that we just talked about. So my prayer is that we would think about, and we would examine, number one, examine ourselves. Are you saved? I'm not trying to talk anybody out of your salvation, but if you're not saved, that's where it starts. And from there, where in our life have we missed some of these things that we need to be in? Now, some of them came with salvation. And praise the Lord for that. But some of them, we've got to, with the Lord's strength and help, we've got to step forward. It's not in our power. It's in His power. I pray that Anchor Baptist Church would be filled with new believers, teenage believers, middle-aged believers, older believers, whether you've been saved a week or you've been saved 40 years. You say, I want to be in, and I want to be all in. Not just a little bit. And I want to lead my family to be in, and to be all in. I want to, I want to produce fruit by the grace and glory of God, not for me, but for God's glory. 